Hey, welcome to New Life today. Glad you guys could be here with us. All right. Well, hey, we're going to get started today. So if you guys can go ahead and find a place to sit, that would be, uh, that would be uh, you know, very, very nice of you. Appreciate that a lot. Hey, I want to welcome all of you guys that are first-time guests with us, all of you that are worshiping with us here in our main auditorium. Um, I have to say a big hello to all of those that are worshiping with us down in our venue, um, located in the gym here on this, uh, this premise. I also want uh, to say hello to all of those that are worshiping with us out at our North Platte campus. So thank you for being with us today at New Life. Uh, we are one church in multiple locations. And so to all three of our locations at the same time, I get to say welcome to 2015. And by the way, by the way, listen to this. This is bonus material. Are you ready for this? High five the person next to you just right now. Just do it. <clears throat> you high five them because you have perfect church attendance in 2015. Congratulations. Man, you should feel good about yourselves right now. Wow, what? What ama- This is an amazing church. Everyone has perfect attendance at New Life this Sunday. All right. So that's, uh, that's kind of an amazing thing. We're kicking off a brand new teaching series. We've called it Essential. All right? It's the essentials of the Bible. We're going to be going on a journey over the next 20 weeks. So I just had you high-five someone and say, you know, congratulations. You have perfect attendance in 2015. Now I'm going to put the, the challenge on you um, big time. I'm going to ask you to consider with me going on a 20-week challenge. This teaching series is going to last 20 weeks. I'm going to literally challenge you right now to be here every one of those weeks. Yeah. If you got things on your schedule that aren't essential, take them off. Right? Change them. Move them to a Saturday. Take them to a Monday. Make, make being at New Life in one of our campuses, make being at New Life part of the essential things that you need to be a part of in 2015. We're going to be going for 20 weeks. Now, I know... We, uh, we all have businesses, we all do different things, and um, our lives take us crazy, crazy routes at times. If for some reason you have to be gone, please utilize our online free um, gift to you, which is we archive all of our sermons there, and you can watch them at any time. Please go to MyNewLifeChurch.com, MyNewLifeChurch.com, and there you can watch like last Sunday's message. <clears throat> and that way, you can stay up with us. You can stay on the same page with us, and you don't have to get left behind. Um, Along with this teaching series, we're going to be looking at the top 100 stories of the Bible. You are not reading the entire Bible in 20 weeks. You are, like, skipping through the Bible, landing on the important, predominant moments, so that we can help you grow in the character and the nature of God. If you want to, you know, enhance your understanding of who God is, what his, what his word is all about and how to apply it to your life better, you're definitely going to want to go on this challenge with us. So to do it, you're going to need a challenge guide. You're going to need the Essentials Challenge Guide. You can pick it up for 8 bucks. It's out in our lobby. You're going to need it. It has in there readings that you're going to be using Monday through Friday only. Listen, you get Saturday and Sunday off. Come on, that's a great break, right? Um, so pick up one of those things out there. They have adult versions and youth versions. And uh, like I think we heard, we're, we just ran out of all of our youth version, which is great. We'll order more in, and that'll be, that'll be exciting. So we've got our whole church is going on this campaign today in our children's ministry. If you have children that are down there, they are hearing a message that's coming right out of the same passage I'm going to be preaching to you today. That way in the ride home, 
over lunch, you can actually discuss some of the things that your kids learned while you're here hearing God's word as well. On Wednesday nights, our youth department will be picking out of one of the five readings for that week. They'll be picking one of those out and they'll be building a sermon off of it so that your entire family is reading the same passages of the Bible and they're hearing God's word preached um, in a way that's succinct and it makes sense and it's all working together. So we're trying to do this to benefit you um, and a, as a family, but also to benefit you as an individual. We uh, as well have um, created a lot of different life groups that we're calling essential life groups. These life groups are built around the, uh, the concept of what's being preached here on Sundays, and uh, as well as what you're reading Monday through Friday. The, uh, the essential challenge guide has built into it all the questions for the life groups. You know what that means? You're an expert. You know, at the life group material, you get to walk in prepared, knowing what they're going to talk about. You don't have to walk into this scary environment of someone's living room not knowing what they're going to talk about, right? You get all of that information in the Essential Challenge Guide. So I want you to join me on this 20-week challenge. Go on it with us, and uh, let's, let's do this together. Today, uh, I'm going to be preaching out of what you're going to read on Wednesday. That's how this series works. We'll preach on Sunday then you will read Monday through Friday, and one of, the, one of the days that you read will incorporate the message. So today, I'm preaching on what you're going to be reading on Wednesday. It comes out of Genesis chapter 6, starting about verse 5, going to Genesis chapter 7, um, ending around verse 24. What we're talking about today is Noah and the flood. Now, how many of you guys have ever heard about this story about uh, Noah, the ark, and a flood? Okay, you know why you've heard about it? Because it's written about... Um, more than any other ancient story, the story of a worldwide flood is written about in almost every culture that we've studied in history. People that didn't even know one another, wouldn't have communicated with one another. In ancient writings, the story of a worldwide flood is documented and written in so many different cultures and so many different places. The Bible, obviously, as we look at God's Word, is our source of truth and we look at it to build our life off of, it incorporates the story of a worldwide flood sent by God. Now, when I think about a flood, um, I instantly go back to one of the more recent floods I had to deal with, which was out in our parsonage at North Platte. Many of you, before we moved Dave and Tiffany into North Platte to become our campus pastors and help us launch that venue there, um, we went out there and we fixed up this house called the parsonage where they were going to live. And we did a lot of work on it. We painted it, uh, we cleaned it, we fixed things. I mean, there was a lot of man hours that went into it. We had it just kind of the way we wanted it. And right about that moment, lo and behold, the pipe bursts, the house floods. You got to replace carpet. You have to replace doors because they're all warped. You have to replace sheetrock because it's all moldy and musty and nasty. Even floorboards, all kinds of stuff had to be replaced. It was a nightmare. This flood caused a lot of damage. Now, this was just a flood we had to deal with. You know, God helped us. We got it all ready moments before they moved in. It was just a, like a mini miracle watching people rally to try to help us get this done. And I want to say thank you to all of you that helped us with it. Uh, floods, they've ha they happen all over the world, don't they? There's little ones and there's big ones. Basically, wherever you have water, there can be a flood, right? I mean, creeks swell and rivers swell and they overflow their banks and, man, you can have a problem as well as a problem in your own house, in a bathroom, right, in a kitchen, down in a basement. I mean, if you have ever dealt with more water than you wanted to deal with, 
Um, in any situation you've ever been in, you know, number one, floods can be dangerous in certain situations, and they can be highly damaging in others. But no flood that you and me have ever read about or experienced compares to the flood that Noah experienced in Genesis chapter 6 and 7. It just doesn't compare. The, the flood that's talked about in, in that passage of God's word, which, by the way, every word in God's word is true. It's truthful. And if it's not, then throw the whole thing out. So here we look at this passage of truth, and it says that the waters burst forth from the earth. We know there's a lot of water underneath the ground. It burst, it burst forth. You know, oceans swelled, rivers swelled, waters came down. But God's word says that there was so much water that all of the land was covered. All of the mountain peaks were covered. Everything on earth decimated, wiped out completely. Everything is gone, right? Except for what? One man, his family, and two, male and female, of all the animals. That's what we know about this story. That's what you were taught when you were a kid in third grade in children's church. That's what you still read to this day. But inside of this story, for you and me, here, sitting in this room, adults, inside of this story is some essential truths that you've got to wrap your heart around. These essential truths help you understand the very character and the nature of God. These essential truths are going to help navigate and guide your life from this day forward. So let's jump into this passage and take a look at it. The first thing I want to help you understand is this. Sin breaks God's heart. Have you ever broken anything before? Anybody break anything over the holidays? Right? Any, orna- any glass ornaments fall off the tree? Uh, trees fall over? No, hopefully no broken bones putting lights up on your house, right? We don't want to break those kinds of things. But yeah, we, we all have broken something. Some of those things you really don't want to recall anymore. I understand that. Some things that are broken can be fixed, right? Think with me. What are some things that are broken that can be fixed? Such as maybe your car. Have you ever had your car break? Take it to the mechanic, and he fixes it, right? After you gave him $750, right, you were still happy to drive it away, right? Okay. Have you ever broken your cell phone, dropped it, and the, and the, the face of it just shatters? And has that ever happened to you? Right. Then you try to use it, and you're swiping your finger across it, and shards of glass are getting stuck in your hand. Oh, it's a joy. But you could take that and get it fixed, right? Some of you are just the kind of people that you like to fix broke things. If something's broken, you don't sleep until you fix it. If someone else breaks something, you're like, give it to me, let me see it. And you tinker around with it until it works again. But there are other things physically that we break that you just don't fix. They're so broken, you can't fix them. Have you ever dropped like a coffee mug, like a ceramic type coffee mug? You ever drop that on a hard surface? Watch it shatter into 100 pieces? What about a fine piece of china, a piece of glass, a vase? You knock off someplace. Drops to the ground, shatters into 100 100 pieces. What do you do with that? You sweep it up, throw it in the trash. It's one thing to break things that are physical. It's another thing to have your heart broken. You ever had your heart broken? Remember back to high school? Back to junior high? Right, where you had that crush? And you thought it was going to last forever. We're 14 years old. It's going to last forever. This is awesome. And then all of a sudden, you get that phone call. Or in today's world, it's so much easier to break up with someone. It's just a text message. Later, 
LOL. <clears throat> Smiley face. <laughs> Teardrop. It's, this is crazy. I mean, so yeah, you've had your heart broken. You've also had your heart broken in an, in an adult world. You had your heart broken by people with actions that they've done, right? Words that have been said. And for some of you, you had your heart broken so deeply, and it hurts still to this day when you think about that person or you think about that moment, that you have harbored that bitterness inside of your heart, and you're still carrying that brokenness to this day. Others of you have had your heart broken, and you decided to forgive, forget, and move on. And you found health and wholeness. So not only can physical things get broken, our hearts can get broken. Both of them have the opportunity to be fixed and healed. But did you also realize that God's heart gets broke? Did you realize that sin breaks God's heart? Sin. Something in in the heart of God that breaks his heart when he sees his people give themselves over to sin and to a sinful lifestyle. Instead of following the great provision that he's provided, instead of following the great truth that he has given, instead of submitting ourselves to walk in a beautiful plan that he has for us, when we give ourselves over to sin, it literally breaks the heart of God. Jump with me back to the story that we're looking at today at the flood. Go with me to Genesis chapter 6, and let's look at verses 5 through 6. It says that the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything that they thought or imagined was consistently and totally what? Evil. So, this is what the Lord did. So the Lord was sorry that he had ever made them, and he put them on the earth. Read this with me. It broke his heart. You probably, you may have never considered the fact that God's heart gets broken. But what was his heart broken about? His heart was broken about the consistent and totally evil, wicked bent that the people had chosen on their own. So why does that break God's heart? Because sin, sin, watch, sin is an idolatry of worship to self. That's what sin ultimately is. Idolatry of worship to self. I want to do what I want. I want to do what pleases me. I want to do what makes me happy right now. It doesn't matter, God, what you say. It doesn't matter what your law says. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. I'm going to worship self right now. That's what breaks God's heart. Why? Because God desires our worship to be totally abandoned to him. God wants 100% of us, not 99%. God wants us to be fulfilled and find pleasure in worshiping him. God wants us to be content in worshiping him. God God wants us to be fulfilled in following his plan for our life. That's why sin breaks God's heart. So back to the story. What does God do because of the wickedness of every person? He sends the flood. Wipes out humanity. With the exception of one, Noah, his family, and the animals that he uses to restart humanity on this earth. Why Why does God save Noah during this incredible time of wickedness, of which is more wicked than you and me understand? It's more evil than you and me have ever experienced. It was more wicked 
and more evil than what we live in at this very moment of our time. You think the world might be wicked and evil, but you have yet to experience what true wickedness and evil really looks like unless you could jump back in a time machine back to that moment where people were consistently and totally given over to evil. So why would, in a moment like that, why would God even save one? Well, Genesis chapter 6 has the answer for us in verse 9. It says that Noah was what kind of a man? A righteous, he was a righteous man. He was the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. And he walked in what? Close fellowship with God. That's the reason why God spares Noah. It's because he walks in close fellowship with him. He finds one who is blameless. So please, in the essential truths that you've got to hang on to to know the character and the nature of God, you need to know something today. Does God, does God bring judgment to sin? Yes, he does. He sends a flood. Does sin break God's heart? Yes, it does. But what you need to know today is that this, God desires relationship with us more than the sin that breaks his heart. For although sin breaks his heart, God desires relationship with you more. And it's what causes the heart of God to go, you know what? Yes, judgment must come, but I want relationship with man so badly. I'm taking you, Noah. I'm giving you a plan so that I can have relationship with what I created, mankind. So what you need to know today is this. Noah became literally God's mercy to mankind. He became the bridgeway. Instead of humanity ending in the flood, Noah and his family become the bridgeway. And the mission that God gives him with the ark, they become the bridge so that God can have relationship with you and me. And we're still worshiping him to this day. You need to know something about God. God doesn't hold anger against you for your actions. That's not who God is. It's not how he responds to you today. God hasn't given up on you today. God's fighting with everything inside of him to have a relationship with you. Sin might break his heart, but he desires relationship with you more than anything else. That's why Noah might have been God's mercy, but Jesus became the ultimate picture of God's grace. When Jesus gives his life on the cross... And he pays the penalty for your sin and for my sin. He becomes the ultimate picture of God's grace. Even though sin had broke his heart, he still sends his son. He gives us a gift that, wow, a gift we needed, a gift we didn't deserve. That's the holiness and the righteousness of our God. So I want you to have a picture in your head. When you and me, knowing that God's provided that kind of grace, when we choose to continue sinning, choose to rebellious, rebelliously walk in disobedience to God, when we make that a choice, it's as if we're taking a nail and a hammer and pounding it back into the hand of Jesus. That our sin is like taking a nail and pounding it into the heart, into the, into the hand of Jesus. One more pound. Ting, ting. Ting. I want that to get inside of your heart. Think about the pain physically that that would cause, a nail being driven through your hand. But he took that pain, he took that pain, even though sin broke his heart. He still paid the ultimate price. 
so when you and me are trying to get close to God, when you are here today and you're going, I want to get close to God. I want to become more like God. I want to have the character and the nature of God. I want to really know God. When that's your pursuit, but yet you continue to sin, knowingly, rebelliously sin, you know, totally giving yourself over to that, when that's your bent, it's as if your life is like a bucket of water and you're trying to hold the water in, but you keep driving nails into the bucket. What happens if you do that? What happens? The water just keeps draining out. What sin does is sin doesn't just break God's heart, it corrupts your heart from loving him. And it's like driving holes into your heart. You're trying to pour the presence of God into your heart. You're trying to pour God's word into your heart, but it just keeps draining out. And it's like a battle that you can't win. But let me tell you something today. God knows how to heal the holes of the heart. He knows how to heal them. He did it through Christ. It's called grace. And if we will surrender our lives to him, God will do something amazing in us. So what's the solution? The solution to this is obedience pleases God. Back to the flood story. The people could have decided, like you have a choice to make today. They could have decided to obey God. They could have decided to run close to God. But instead, they kept drilling their heart full of holes and worshiping self. And they kept allowing, you know, the presence of God to, to drain out to the fact where they just lived for self. They were so bent on it, so wicked and so vile and so evil. But that's what the people did because the people couldn't wrap their heads around why it was so important to worship God instead of worship self. Watch, what's so important with that? Can't I have both? Can't I do what I want to do and also have the power and the truth of God? No, because you keep drilling holes into your heart and the power and the presence of God keeps draining out. You can't have both. It's one or the other. Be bent on sin or be bent on God. These people couldn't fathom. They couldn't figure out why. They couldn't answer that question. So they just went on a holy terror, bent away from God. Let me tell you what God expects. God expects obedience even when you can't understand why. Let's go to the story. God comes to Noah. And you've got to remember this. Noah's just going about his normal day, right? God shows up and starts speaking to Noah. Noah, hey, listen up. Listen up. This is a big message. I'm going to flood the earth. Everything on it is going to die. It's going to pass away. It's all going to be gone, right? Everything you know, Noah, look up to the mountain. It's going to be covered. Look at the city. It's going to disappear. Look at your neighbors, right? Everything is going to go away. Oh, and by the way, Noah, listen, keep listening. I got a project for you. It's just a little project. Not very, not big deal. You know, in my economy, in my commerce, it's not a big issue. I just need you to build a boat. Well, maybe let's call it an ark. It's going to be 450 feet long. It's going to be 75 feet wide and about 45 feet tall. So just a little bit of a project there, Noah. I need you to get that done before I flood the earth because I want to put you and your family in. Uh, oh, oh, I almost forgot to mention to you. I'm going to be sending some animals to you. <laughs> a few of them. They're going to come. If you could build some pins to kind of hold them for a while, that'd be awesome. And you know what? Oh, yeah, you're going to need to get a bunch of food for your family, uh, for yourself and your family. And all these animals I bring to you, you're going to need to get food for them too. And you're going to, be, you're going to need to get a lot of food, right? Because it's, it's going to be a while. That's my project for you. Get to it. Sounds ludicrous. Sounds like a crazy man talking to you. 
a man stand on the earth being told that? Wouldn't you be kind of like me and go, are you serious? Why? Why do I need to do that? Isn't there a better plan? Isn't there a better way to get that done? That's how you and me would probably respond. That's not what Noah does. Look in verse 22. It says that, so Noah did, after he was told all that stuff, Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Wow. He didn't know why. He couldn't figure it all out. But he did everything God commanded him. You know that that's still what God's looking for for our lives today? That obedience, even if you can't put all the pieces together, God's still looking for you and me to just do it. Obey me, follow me. That's what God's looking for. That's what pleases God's heart. Now, Noah, he worked faithfully on this project. Check this out. Theologians believe, based on biblical information, we believe that Noah worked on this project somewhere around 120 years. It's a long time. That is a big project. That's a big thing to happen there. Do you think that maybe over 120 years, working on the same thing day in and day out, that he faced some challenges? Think he faced some challenges? Do you think maybe he faced some difficulties? Sure, he faced some difficulties. If I guarantee you, that project got difficult. So in dealing with what pleases God's heart, obedience pleases God's heart, what you also need to understand about God and the essential truth is not only does God expect obedience when you don't understand why, God also expects obedience when it's difficult. Imagine with me, let me kind of build the picture of the story of Noah for a moment. Let me kind of drift off the page and just become real with this passage. Imagine how difficult it actually was. For Noah to wake up every single day for 120 years and to go out and work on the same project over and over and over again. Lifting heavy wood, putting things together, getting all the tar, putting, the, the, you know, putting all the, the, the blocks right where they need to go, attaching the wood together. Imagine how tiring that must be over all that time working on the same project over and over and over again. Imagine what it was like dealing with the opinion of people that lived in his town. As they walked by, and they went, oh, look, there's the foolish man. There's the man building that whatever it is. I don't even know what it is. People on vacation coming to Noah's town to show their kids the crazy man who's building all of this stuff. People outside his house with their nice little vendors, you know, selling the popcorn and the peanuts. Stand here while you watch the man, the crazy man. People mocking him. Can you imagine what it was like, the mental anguish dealing with that kind of imagery and that type of uh, opinions of people? Can you imagine having to pay for all the materials yourself? Oh, you thought God gave a mission and so God opened up a bank account down at the saving, savings and loan and said, oh, here's your ATM card, here's your debit card, go down there and use it whatever you need to? No, someone had to pay for all that wood. Someone had to pay for all that grain to feed the animals. Someone had to pay for all that tar. Someone had to pay for the laborers that helped him work on it. Speculatively thinking. Noah, where else does the money come from? What it says in the Bible about Noah is that he's a man who worked the ground. Noah was a farmer. Give it up for farmers. Come on. 
cars. Here he is, he works the ground and he turns around and he builds this thing. It's amazing, that's where he got his money. So farmers really are rich, no matter what people say. Imagine staying motivated and devoted all of those years to get that project done. What does this tell us about obedience that pleases God's heart? It's not easy. Obedience is not easy. Obedience requires follow-through. Obedience requires action. Way more than just words. In your life, that's what God's looking for. He knows obedience is not easy, but he's calling us to it anyways. It pleases his heart. You realize it's more than just words, it's about action. To illustrate this obedience that pleases God's heart, a, a month ago, a month ago I challenged you and I said, wow guys, we, um, we've got a couple of financial things going on around the church and I just threw this financial update to you. I said to you, man, we're giving so incredible around here to this North Platte renovation project that we have more money than what we needed. Praise God. That was awesome, right? We got the church opened, and God's doing great things out there. Uh, even today, great things in North Platte today. Lives being saved, people being transformed. God's growing the church. It's fantastic. You should be proud of your church called New Life as it continues to expand in multiple locations. Uh, but then I focused your attention. I refocused it on, a, on the building project that we've had going on here for the past couple of years that was over $2 million. And I said to you that we are down to a certain amount. And a month ago, I told you in the update that we had $91,079 to pay off on our building. And I challenged you and I said, I want you to seek God, listen to God, and see what God might ask you to do so we can move into 2015 with as small a debt as possible. So we can invest more funds and energy into ministry instead of paying off a note on a building. Well, uh, your obedience of following God has resulted in this. Today, we only owe $51,231. That's awesome. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Man, that's something to, be, that's something to celebrate. And I want to thank you for your obedience to God. It was, it's amazing what... What happens when we follow what God speaks to our hearts? God does incredible things beyond what we can imagine. But there's a couple of other things that deal with this I want to drive home for you. Did you realize that some of the folks that attend out in North Platte actually started giving to help pay off the building here at the Kearney location? I want to say thank you to you that are out in North Platte. I think that's awesome. That is awesome. You know what it just shows? It just drives home one church, multiple locations. We really are better together. We are working together, doing things that one location can't do by itself. That debt's going to disappear quick. And we're just going to keep taking the funds and just investing it back into changing lives. But guys, you have got to hear this. This blew my mind away. Friday, 5.30, boom, my cell phone rings. Hey, where you at? I got a delivery I need to make to you. Oh, well, I'm at, I'm at church. I'm still working, I'm working. Okay, well good, I'm popping by. A gentleman comes by, drops off an envelope, says it got mailed to my house, right? But it's from a person that used to attend this church years and years ago. This person made a commitment 20 years ago, 20, 2-0, to a building project that we were doing here. I think it was adding on of the gymnasium and some classrooms. Made a pledge to the building project 20 years ago for $5,000 and never was able to follow through. 
until Friday at 5.30 when he writes the check and he hands it and he goes, and he doesn't attend this church anymore, doesn't even live in this town anymore. I had to follow through and be obedient to what God had spoke to me all those years ago. And he lays down the $5,000 check. Well, the guy he mailed it to. That's what God does. God does those kind of things in our heart. It might not be easy. You might not understand. It might be difficult. It took Noah maybe 120 years to follow through on his act of obedience. It took this other gentleman 20 years to follow through on his act of obedience. But obedience, regardless of how long it takes, pleases the heart of God. Amen? So back to the story of Noah. Noah obeys God and he saves himself. He saves his family and he provides man the opportunity to have a relationship with God. Please, don't ever give in to the excuse that it's too difficult to follow God. I'm just going to do my own thing. That's a lie. God wouldn't set you and me up for failure. God sets us up for success. God sets us up to experience the fullness of his joy, his peace, and his grace. Don't give in to the lie. I just don't understand. I can't figure this whole God thing out. Don't buy into that lie. That's a lie. It's a lie trying to hold you captive. Sell yourself out to God. Sell yourself out to Christ. Follow him. He'll make your path straight. Because remember, obedience to God allows the power of the Holy Spirit to be infused into your life. And wh why did God give you the Holy Spirit? To help you in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to be a witness for him. God wants to help you follow his commands and be a witness for him probably more than you ever could. So although sin might break God's heart, God is constantly at work trying to figure out ways to have relationship with you. So your sin, yeah, it separates you from God. But it can't separate you for eternity unless you allow it to. God's standing there with his arms open going, come, I want relationship with you. That, my friends, is incredible grace. And it's because of that grace, you can have a new beginning with God. Back to the story of having a new beginning. Noah was given a new beginning. Piles in the ark, piles in with his family. The animals go in, they got all the food, everything. The Bible says literally that God shut the door as the rains began to fall and the earth began to flood. And did you know that most people... They know that it rained for how many days? 40 days and nights, right? But did you realize, if you if you'd done the math out of, you know, Genesis chapter 6 and 7 and figured out that Noah was probably in that boat for 370 days, a little over a year, let me tell you something about new beginnings. New beginnings come with a price. You know what Noah's price was? He was stuck in a boat for a year with all those stinky, nasty, having to take care of, scooping stuff. You know what I'm talking about. Of animals for a year. That's a price. That's a price. I, didn't, I wouldn't want to pay that price. He paid that price. New beginnings come with a price. The good news is this. Jesus paid the price for your new beginning. He paid the price on the cross. He gave his life and paid the penalty for your sin and for my sin. Take a look at what 
2 Corinthians has to say in chapter 5, anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. The old life is gone and what? A new life has begun. New beginnings, they come on the back of Christ. New beginnings come out of the sacrifice of Jesus for our, for our sin. That's what this whole essential uh, series is all about. It's about building a foundation, creating a new spiritual foundation in your life, a biblical understanding of who God is, his character, and his nature. That's why these blocks, you're going to see them grow on the stage. Because these blocks, they represent a physical foundation. But these blocks, as they grow on this stage behind me throughout the 20 weeks, they're going to represent block by block, spiritual truth by spiritual truth. Holy cow, this block is heavy. This thing is amazing. It's a spiritual truth that's going to go into your life. A spiritual truth, God. His heart is broken from sin. A spiritual truth, number two, obedience pleases God. Spiritual truth, number three, the third block going into your life right now. Is that God gives us new beginnings. You can have a new beginning this year. 2015 can have a whole new start to it. Brick by brick, block by block, spiritual truth by spiritual truth. If you let God do it. That's why, we, that's why I want to encourage you. Get a spiritual um, essential challenge guide. You're going to need that thing. That's going to help you build these spiritual blocks of truth in your life. Join a life group. It's going to maximize the experience as you get a chance to discuss it and talk with one another about what God's doing. Make a commitment with me to build a strong spiritual foundation in 2015. We're going to do it over these next 20 weeks. So let's recap. Sin breaks God's heart. Obedience pleases God. And yet God gives a new beginning. Which one are you living? Are you living breaking God's heart? Or are you living pleasing God's heart? Are you living letting the Holy Spirit start new beginnings in you of spiritual truth? Or are you like the people of Noah's time, constantly and totally bent on wickedness and evil? Which one are you living today? You need to know something. Jesus has a massive heart to nurture, to coach, to teach, to train you through his word. Through the power of his Holy Spirit, he has a desire to lead you and to guide you. He has a massive desire to become your Lord and your leader. He's always had it and he always does. Take a look at what Jesus said as we wrap this sermon up in Matthew chapter 23. Jesus spoke these words, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that what, kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. In light of that, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But what? You wouldn't let me. Jesus wants to pull you close today. He wants to pour everything he has into your life. Don't, like, don't be like the people of Noah's day. Don't be like the people of Jesus' day. Let him do it. Let him. Let him do it today. Say yes to Christ today. Make a move towards God today. During our time of worship, make a move towards him. Raise your hands and worship him. Come and kneel down at one of our altars. That's where the hungry go to seek God. 
Find yourself just passionately worshiping God today. Lifting up your voice, turning your face towards heaven because God is a compassionate, loving God who desires to take his arms and to wrap them around you and to nurture and to train you up to be your Lord and your leader just like he took Noah and he wrapped his arms around him by giving him the plan of putting him into the ark and preserving him during a wicked generation. So does Christ, like a, like a hen wants to wrap her arms around the chicks. So does Jesus want to wrap his arms around you just like Noah had. And he wants to wrap his arms around you and he wants to take you on a journey like you've yet to understand. So don't be like the, the people of Jesus' day. Don't kill the messenger by manipulating God's word. Don't kill it by marginalizing it, by just taking the pieces that you like and throwing out the stuff that's difficult, throwing out the stuff you don't understand. Don't do that. Don't be those kind of people. Submit yourself to God's word and say, Lord, these next 20 weeks, I want your word to soak into my life and I want my life transformed by you. Don't throw stones at the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit today. Don't be like the people of Jesus' day. Don't throw stones at God's messenger. God's messenger today is the Holy Spirit trying to speak to you. Respond to him. Surrender to his challenge today. What is the new beginning that God wants to start in your life? What is the act of obedience that God's calling for? What sin is breaking God's heart today? The Holy Spirit is God's messenger. Don't throw stones at his convicting voice. He's trying to lead you and guide you over these next few moments. So now it's your turn. You're going to climb into the ark? You're going to find yourself wrapped into the arms of Christ today? Or are you just going to be bent on doing your own thing? There's a lot of essential truths in God's word. They're going to act like blocks for your foundation. Go on the journey with us. Let's see God do something radical in our lives at the beginning of this year, 2015. Why don't you stand with me? Let's prepare to worship God with everything that we have inside of our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that holds truth today in 2015, just like it did so many years ago. Lord, we thank you for the consistency in your heart that you loved humanity, even all the way back in the days of Noah when they were wicked and totally bent against you. That you wrapped your arms around Noah by providing a way for humanity to have relationship with you. Incredible mercy. And Lord, today we live under the grace of the, of the ultimate gift, the price that was paid through your son Jesus Christ that gave his life on the cross. Today, new beginnings can happen. That we are made new through Christ. Thank you for that. Thank you for that hope. Lord, as we take these next few moments to worship you, one church in multiple locations, all at the same time, worshiping you. May you do something inside of our hearts that no man can do. Do something inside of our hearts that transforms us and changes us. Draw us close to you. May we be a people that abandon ourselves to you and allow you to do a new thing in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.